I drive the night, looking into the darkness where our fears reside. Of things the mind dismisses, but the heart knows are real. Evils that lie hidden in the blackness. I've seen these evils. They've taken my wife, pregnant with a child never to be born, leaving me haunted by questions about her strange death and the deaths of so many others no one else dares to explain. So I drive, knowing we fear the night, not because it hides these evils, but rather because it reveals them. That was the voice of reporter Carl Kolchak on the case that we're calling In Tonight. It was originally dumped onto iTunes February 7, 2006. It was directed by Fred Gerber, male prostitute, and written by Frank Spotnitz. And with me, as always, is my intrepid co-host, Mr. Chris Stashew. Yeah, dumped unceremoniously onto iTunes. Uh, just, you know, heave-hoed, whoop, right out of the side of the car in a box while you're driving down the freeway. Apparently, the next episode that we'll talk about um, when we come back to Cool Check 2005 uh, was also dumped on the same day, which is called Timeless. So uh, I'm, I'm curious if there's any connections. I was really hoping when this thing started off, I was hoping we'd get back to Monster of the Week. And this is kind of is a Monster of the Week, though there's a loose connection to that whole, I'm going to call it Mark of Cain that we were following. And so when they did the previously on Cool Check showing us bits and pieces of that. I was just like, oh God, more of this stuff, more of the the mythology. But luckily they stayed away from that for the most part. The underlying storyline of this show has been really bad. And anytime they revisit it, it's just like, you know, got it going all in on this. Hmm. You might not want to because it's not very good. It's actually really bad and it's really poorly done. And I think... You know, the really kind of the proof is in the pudding is with the source part one and part two, because that just buried any hope that this show had of giving us an interesting kind of mid-season conclusion to the connected storyline. That's the thing. I thought that the connected storyline, the mythology was over with. Guess not. Yeah, that's what I was hoping. Kolchak, he drives the night. This is probably one of the most embarrassing intros that I've seen in a while um, as far as Kolchak doing his uh, words over the screen intros. Yeah, you know, we, we've we've kind of mentioned these a couple times before and how kind of goofy and dorky they are in the kind of this grand scheme of of the, the show and kind of what your expectations are going into a show that's a, a reboot of such kind of a classic TV show. And it really feels like mid-2000s. What gets me is that throughout this episode... I was rewriting it in my head to do the classic Kolchak VOs because there are multiple murders that happen in here. And before each time, there are pauses where we could have a Darren McGavin say, saying on the night of so-and-so, this guy was working late and so was his secretary. And they were working on closing the books on this proposal or whatever, and they would never see how it flies in front of the board and then go into the story. Or the next one, you know, like, he would stay at home, he would stay at work late, so no one bothered him, but he would be bothered that night, or something like that. And we don't get that, and it just feels like there's such a great big hole waiting for that, but we never 
hear those VOs and we just get those stupid VOs at the beginning and the end. And otherwise, I mean, I think I've, I've figured it out. Carl Kolchak is very much a cipher to us and we don't give a shit about this guy because we never hear him side of his head. And he's so fucking smug all the time. And the way that he's like scooping Perry because he's out listening to his police scanner, very Carl Kolchak, very Darren McGavin, but I don't know what her deal is. She wakes up twice in this episode at six o'clock in the morning, only to find that Carl has gone out the night before, gotten a scoop, put it into the paper, and then she reads about it the next day. Not a very good reporter or just she's not the insomniac that Carl Kolchak is. I don't, I don't know what to make of that. Uh, the smugness of Kolchak actually didn't bother me as much as it bothered you because at least we're getting something, some personality trait. Of his. And that kind of back and forth before they go visit Alex Nyby in this episode, I think is the best representation of what Kolchak could have been in this show, where it's kind of this playful, kind of smarmy banter between him and Perry Reed. And, you know, if the show had really leaned into that more and not kind of X Files meets CSI, but does neither one of them very well. It probably would have been more successful. And that's, again, the, the main issue that I've had with this show from the get-go has been it's made by someone who understood the quality of the previous show and someone who worked on a show that was directly inspired by the original show. I mean, Frank Spotnitz got his, you know, his start on the X-Files. And, you know, we spoke with him at the beginning of this podcast so long about kind of how the studio kind of took him for a ride and really didn't allow him to do the original show justice. And while I think it's easy to blame the studio and the network, I think a lot of this also has to lie with Frank Spotnitz, because I just don't think that he on his own was good enough to give this show the kind of the breadth of quality that the X-Files got. And obviously, the X-Files was a more collaborative experience. You have Chris Carter, you have Vince Gilligan, you have Darren Morgan, and you have Frank Spotnitz. And this has been like Frank Spotnitz's baby, and it shows because it's just not – it's like a mixed bag of mythology stuff that feels like just rejected from the X-Files. Oh, yeah. As I was watching this, I was like, wasn't there an X-Files just like this? The closest I could get was – the monster this week, he's a little Victor Tombs. He's a little bit like the adipose man from Too Shy. He was a little bit like the, the fluke man from the host. It just felt like kind of a cast off. That's fair. It's like a really shitty melange of all of these things. And I'm just like, you know, maybe pick one thing because you, you never really get the sense of what the villain is doing or why. And like that was what made the X-Files great is because in a lot of those episodes, the villains are given as much time to breathe as the heroes. You know, you have these episodes with, like you said, Victor Toomes or the Fluke Man, or I forget what the character's name is, but Morgan Shepard's son who would go on to be Crowley in Supernatural, that kind of the Firestarter ripoff episode. I mean, they give the villain time to breathe and kind of give their reason as to why they're doing what they're doing. And sometimes they're just kind of doing it to survive or they're misunderstood or they are just plain evil. And in this, it's like you only see the villain like two times and it's like, I God, like, uh, so he's killing people because he has to, I guess. So he's not really like a bad guy or is he, or is he not? Does he ever get a close up in this other than like his eyes? No, I don't think so. 
Okay. Yeah. I mean, because I recognize the actor's name, and when I looked him up, I was like, oh, yeah, it's that guy from Fight Club, and he's been in a, a shit ton of other stuff, Breaking Bad, Lost Highway. Shit, he's been in the X-Files. Well, I don't remember ever actually seeing his face in that episode. I think you can, like, see, like, his eyes, and that's kind of it. And, like, you see him in pictures. But what a waste of Michael Wiles' time. This episode also feels not only like an X-Files episode, but it feels a little bit like an original Kolchak insofar as it's a pretty simple monster. It's a very simple effect because we don't actually see the liquid being sucked from these people. So that the monster, in case people happen, and I, I apologize to you if you happen to tune into this podcast and you haven't seen in tonight you're better off for it the monster he, he i guess he's a security guy though and i guess that's what explains him picking up a woman later on in the episode and driving her someplace i thought he was a metro car driver for a little bit but then it finally kind of clicked oh no he's a security guy after we go back to these pictures that they're looking at the third freaking time security guy works in these office buildings or can get access to these office buildings where people are working late at night he goes up to them puts his hands around their neck and drains them of all of their liquids. We never see that effect. What we see are the desiccated bodies that look like maybe they were on sale from the life force prop department. And that effect of the dead bodies, these desiccated husks that they have, it's, it's a, fairly effective thing and the way that they set that up i was like okay i could see the original carl kolchak i could see darren mcgavin on this case we kind of get like a throwaway line as far as how he got these and i don't want to say powers but the ability the curse of this whole need for electrolytes and water and all this kind of stuff we get like a throwaway line as far as that goes we don't get really the history of this stuff it's like he's not going through the archives he's not combing back through the newspapers and finding out about this civil war guy who you know comes out every however many years i mean we talked about the the similarities between the night strangler and victor tombs and this guy feels like a throwaway victor tombs we never really get any of that like we see Maybe all of his past victims are all stacked up in this warehouse. I don't know why he keeps them all there. Seems like a really weird choice. Well, and then it brings in the Mark of Cain, too. We get to see that tacked on nonsense right at the end. So tacked on. So tacked. And this, again, we're, we're missing one of the most important characters in this episode, and that is the police. Because we get... Perry talking to her police contact who's trying to get a date and stuff. And so that's not there physically. And then we have no real police force trying to keep Carl out of the scene. Like we get him seeing cops or rent a cops and the entrance of the building. He keeps going in through the back door and apparently outsmarting them. But he manages to find that big globule of the concentrate on the floor, which apparently no cops found, that just seemed really weird at that first crime scene. Well, and again, I think a lot of this episode is just, it feels poorly written with no sense of logic or like forethought putting into it. And that's a huge disappointment for me because it's not 
again, I'm, I'm going to kind of apologize for this show. This show's not really that bad. There's like one or two things that need to be changed. And it would have been like a, a halfway decent X-Files knockoff. But it just, it doesn't seem like the people who were working on the show really put in the effort to be like, a, B, C, D, E. It's like A and then C, D, E, and then let's get back to B, but let's not make any of it particularly interesting. And that's, again, you get this episode. It just feels like it's missing parts. It's missing the stuff that makes Kolchak Kolchak. And in my mind, that's doing the original show a disservice because a lot of people only knew the original from this show, the people who watched this show, and then they went back and watched the original, thankfully, hopefully. But this show did not do the original show any service by being kind of as all over the place as it was. So this is my metaphor and just stick with me. It's like Frank Spotnitz is there with a bow and arrow and he's constantly trying to shoot at a bullseye and some executive is coming up behind him. And every time he pulls that arrow back, he's nudging Frank out of the way. And so he's always missing the target. And once you get to however many episodes we're in by now, which is like seven or eight, once we get to that point, we are tired of seeing that pristine target still sitting there and no arrows have ever come near it. From what I understand, Frank was doing his best. He had the right arrows. He had the right bow. He had everything going for him. But then he had some exec mucking, mucky muck, mucking up around behind his back and just always undoing things and making him miss. And that is so frustrating to me because, yeah, we have some solid actors. We have a solid writer, solid creator. I mean, Frank Gerber, the director, he's directed a ton of stuff before. It's not like he's some babe in the woods or anything. But yeah, this just, it's so close so many times. But then you're just like, oh, man, this just isn't hitting the way that it needs a hit. And it is a disappointment because, you know, Frank Spotnitz, again, works on the X-Files. So when you look at this show and it being so close, it's just a disappointment. I really don't know what else to say about the show on a whole because it's kind of permeated every single episode of this show that we've watched, some more so than others. Some episodes have been rather surprising in their quality. I will not fault you to that. I mean, going all the way back to like the five people you meet in hell. The really disappointing thing about this show is, like you said with your metaphor, how close this got so many times, like the just the levels of disappointment that I feel with this show, it feels like it's permeated every level of the show in varying degrees on each episode. Some episodes are decent, but not great. And then other episodes are just flat out god awful, like Malum or The Source. And I would say Into Night is on the higher end of the spectrum ish. But again, the issue with this show is, is just there's no consistency with the quality of the episodes. There's no consistency whatsoever. Well, you see a scene like when Jane Lynch makes an appearance as the scientist and Carl comes in and he's got that super astringent with him. And this would have been a perfect time. Like I thought of the woman in the hot house in the one episode when Carl comes in and is talking to her and gets information out of her. Or, I mean, there are so many characters, so many scientist characters, even that the original Carl Kolchak will deal with and kind of bluff his way in and find out information or even have them do work like 
take a look at this astringent and tell me more about it. You know, like going in and, and getting the goo checked out, um, in, in the, uh, the UFO episode. Uh, but in this, it's like, she looks at it and is just like, yeah, no, I'm not going to do anything. And eventually she does do something, but none of that banter is there. And you've got Jane Lynch. This is a fantastic actress. And, and it would have been so nice to see her doing stuff and maybe have some, it doesn't have to be jokey, but have some better banter between her and Kolchak or her and Perry. And that's another thing that I really felt in this episode was the splitting off of Carl Kolchak into these multiple personalities Jane at one point, Jane kind of plays a bigger role in this episode because, like I said, they're looking at these crime scene photos over and over and over again. And then Jane goes with them to the warehouse, the spooky warehouse where the killer is supposed to be his lair. And Jane basically is the one that fucks stuff up because he's there taking photos and the flash is flashing and our killer is outside. So he knows that somebody's inside of there. And as I'm watching this, I'm like, man, I really kind of miss when Carl Kolchak had his own camera and didn't need to have Jane. And then I was like, and he didn't need to have Perry either. He was a one man band. Sure, he didn't have anybody to talk to other than the audience. We got to know Carl Kolchak pretty good from what he was telling the audience. But when he's talking to Perry, we're still not learning that much about him. There are moments, you mentioned one scene of them parrying back and forth, pun intended. But there's another scene where they're talking to each other. And I'm just like, this dialogue is the most boring dialogue I've ever heard. And this is just not moving the story forward. You know, I wrote sarcastically in my notes, this dialogue is rippling with excitement. Or is it? It's not. It's a symptom of the shows that were out at the time that Kolchak has kind of these pals, Perry Reed, Jane McManus, and they don't add much. Perry Reed is essentially Scully from the X-Files, and Jane McManus is clearly the comic relief, but he's not even given enough to really be worthwhile comic relief. This is the first episode we've had where he really is kind of given much of anything to do. Yeah, he's not a damsel in distress in this one. Like he was in The Source. He's not Xander. He's not Shaggy. He's, you know, he's so not, he's just a non-presence. He's just a camera. You know, he's, he's, he's just a, he, I am a man with a camera. That's all he basically is in this. And then it, it, it just stuff doesn't add up. You know, you watch this and you're like, okay, did they call the cops before they went to the warehouse? And then Carl with the fake finger gun that manages to scare the guy off and then all of the entire police force seems to show up to capture this guy, which was weird. He so easily escapes. There's this whole thing of like, is the sun up or is the sun down? Because at one point they're in the warehouse and it looks like the sun is completely down. And then when the killer comes in, it looks like the sun is coming up. But then when they're on the bridge, the sun is down and he manages to do this kind of Deadpool escape off of the bridge onto a truck underneath. And then we have such a, a non plus ending of them kind of finding the truck where he's supposed to be and they take down the stuff but he's not in there but hey man wouldn't it have been cool if that truck was carrying like i don't know livestock or something and the livestock was all completely desiccated that might have been kind of a nice twist too or if they had just found like a pile of dust 
and that was him. Right. There you go. That's what I was expecting, like some sort of like, he died because he didn't get a chance to suck, it was a suck Kolchak, which would be, that's not this guy to show. Um, but it's again, like you said, it's a complete non-ending and it's just a, a cap on how disappointing this episode is. You don't even get a conclusion. There's no conclusion here. Right. Would he have come back in the second season? Yeah, this is pretty similar, though, to, like, original Kolchak in a way, because some of the original Kolchak episodes don't really have a very strong conclusion either to begin with. Can we talk, to about the exciting scene of of Vincenzo copy-editing uh, Carl and Perry? I mean, my God, uh, again, I was on the edge of my seat as he's just going through with his red pencil and crossing out sections. Wow. Yeah, Vincenzo is probably, of all the things in this show that's a real missed opportunity, Vincenzo is probably the biggest. Uh, it's just a disappointment that Cotter Smith has given nothing to do. And when I mean nothing, he's given literally nothing. He is in the episodes, but barely. He's behind the desk, and he gets to say one or two things, and that's it. You never really get a sense that he has any sort of relationship with Kolchak at all. Think back to those early episodes of Night Stalker and the way that Carl is just riding Vincenzo. You know, this is news. We report news and all this kind of stuff. When Kolchak would see his own story in the newspaper, he would hit the roof because all of the stuff, all of the supernatural would have been excised from it. We never actually saw him and Tony and Tony with the red pencil just crossing out stuff. And if we had, Carl would have been just having, you know, like uh, throwing fits about all of this stuff. Instead, it's like, what are you doing, Vincenzo? That takes away this part of the story. And it's just like, oh my God, is everyone in this whole show on volume? I think that everyone in this show is just mildly disinterested and probably could feel that the show wasn't really going anywhere. Mm. Normally, I'm on the other side of the fence when it comes to Kolchak, when it comes to, to Night Stalker 2005. And I'm like, no, no, no. There's good stuff about this, but I have crossed the bridge. I'm on the other side now. I'm there with the people in the Facebook groups who are just like, this show sucks. First couple episodes, there were some okay things going on in there. But my God, once we hit that two-parter over the last, you know, two months ago, I'm done with this show. You know, I think there's one good episode coming up. And I, I said that at left. the very beginning. Yeah, but I think one of those episodes is actually good, but we'll see if my memory is playing tricks with me or not. Yeah, because, I mean, we're at the point now where it's either shit or get off the pot, because there's two episodes left, and then what? I hope they're George Costanza. I hope they end on a high note. I can't see it ending any way other than a kind of a wet fart. doesn't go out with a bang, it just goes out with a... Because that's kind of what a lot of these episodes have been, just a complete non-issue, just nothing. Just, you know... They're just kind of there, and there you go. It's, again, I just, I wish that the show was better because I was going into this hoping, I was like, maybe this will change our opinion. Maybe this won't be as bad as everyone has said and kind of what I remember when it originally aired. But, yeah, kind of is. Really kind of, on the other side of the two-part episode, we haven't really shown that there's a reason to defend this show. I don't know where the bumpy road began. I don't know if it was Malum or slightly before then. I mean, I seem to remember liking Burning Man okay, but yeah, Malum, The Source, The Sea, and now Into Night. I mean, again, Into Night was a, could have been, 
could have been a decent Monster of the Week episode, but again, it was just so many missed notes, so you end up just with your ears hurting at the end of this. Well, I, I think you're right. I think Malum is really where we started falling apart, and... God, Malum is so dumb. Malum is one of the worst hours of television I've ever seen. Yeah, I just keep thinking about how wasted Tony Todd was, and then I look at this, and I'm just like, Michael Wiles, he was completely wasted in this as well. So was Jane Lynch. So was pretty much everybody was wasted in this. You talked about Cotter Smith. Yeah, so was Stuart Townsend, who's been wasted in every episode. And not in, like, the Bob Hoskins on the set of Super Mario Brothers wasted kind of way, just, like, completely underutilized. Yeah, I would have, you know, had he started drinking on this, I think it might have added something to it. Yeah, a little bit of level of believability with the washed out nature of Kolchak. Exactly. All right, well, I want to thank John Walker for our theme song. We will be back next month with a discussion of a classic Night Stalker, which is the Trevi Collection episode. Until then, Chris, what is the latest with you and the Culture Cast? Uh, so over at the Culture Cast right now, which is the movie podcast I do with my buddy Eric, we're talking about Jackie Chan movies. And no, we're not talking about Rush Hour. So if that's what you're looking for, I bet How Did This Get Made did it already. And they were probably slinging some sick jokes. So probably go listen to their podcast where they had some obscure comedian on there talking about how funny and dumb the movie is. But we're going to be talking about some uh, kind of lesser known in the States Jackie Chan movies. The list has been curated by your yours truly, Mr. Mike White, so I'm looking forward to it. I don't think I've seen any of the movies on the list, which, again, pretty excited for. That's what's going on with me over at the CultureCast. You can check that out over at CultureCast.com. I also do a podcast called Chronicles from the Crypt with my buddy Mike Wallace, a.k.a. Father Malone, where we talk about Tales from the Crypt, two episodes, twice a month. That's a lot of fun if you're into that. Mike and I... And Mike White also do a Dreams for Sale podcast, which is the Twilight Zone 1985 podcast. So check that one out as well. Where can people find you? What are you up to over at the Projection Booth podcast, Mike? Gosh, I feel like I hardly do any podcasts after I talk to you. You're just doing so many. It's not as exciting a life as one would expect from that long plug. You have so many mics in your life. I do like that I have a lot of mics in my life. Apparently, apparently the great Lord below decided to grace me with a lot of mics. So I have to keep them all straight when I'm talking to my wife. I'm like, well, white mic and then Vegas mic. And it's just like, oh, Jesus Christ. So you can find me over at projectionboothpodcast.com where every week putting out a new episode, we're wrapping up the year. So we are talking about just kind of some odds and ends, some interesting stuff, hopefully, uh, talking about Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho, talking about 2001 A Space Odyssey. Yeah, we're, we're all over some classic cinema, some not so classic cinema, uh, talking about, uh, Chuck Vincent's Roommates, which is a highly underrated piece of cinema that I would recommend to everybody to check out. And, uh, yeah, you, you'll find some interesting stuff over there. Hopefully. That's all the news that is fit to print that has survived Vincenzo's red pen. So be sure to come on back next month and leave us some feedback, would you, over on iTunes or wherever you get this podcast or even at our website, coldchecktapes.com. And if you think we're doing a bad job, well, we can't be doing any worse of a job than the people who made Night Stalker 2005. There are evils that live amongst us. Hidden behind walls, lurking in dark shadows. 
Open your eyes and you'll see them. But be careful you don't open them too wide. Thank <laughs> you.